This is Cruise Radio. Do yourself a favor and always cruise with travel insurance. You can find a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Happy to have you here. Coming up today, we'll get a review of Norwegian Gem. Sherry Laskin stops by with Cruise News. And a couple of days ago, we covered Carnival Victory turning into Carnival Radiance on the website. Well, if you want to see any of those videos or any of the coverage we did, check it out in the show notes. I'll link it up there. And our Cruise Radio News podcast feed. So separate from this feed, but it's a quick three things you need to know every day. You can subscribe to it uh, wherever you subscribe to this. Just punch in Cruise Radio News and boom, there you go. All right. Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Doug. Carnival is saying goodbye to Carnival Victory, kind of. Yeah, kind of, and it's all part of Carnival's fleet-wide $2 billion enhancement program. And in the spring of 2020, after a 38-day $200 million refurbishment, the good old former Carnival Victory is going to emerge with a new look and a new name and will be called the Carnival Radiance. And aside from what was added earlier this year, which included Guy's Burger Joint, a Blue Iguana Cantina, and even an Alchemy Bar, um, they're going to still add a Red Frog Pub. And in addition to that, for food people, and if you want to drink, there's going to be a Fahrenheit 555 Steakhouse, a Guy's Pig and Anchor Barbecue Smokehouse, and a full-service and much-enlarged Bonsai Sushi And for evening entertainment, um, they're going to put in a Piano Bar 88 and two other multi-purpose lounges that will be, you know, for families during the day and then nightclubs at night. And if relaxation is a reason for your cruise, uh, you should be happy because the Serenity Lounge and Cloud 9 Spot will both be enlarged. Doesn't Royal Caribbean have a ship called Radiance of the Seas? They sure do. Yeah. And it's Radiance class, too. Yeah. like yeah, late everybody's 90s. Everybody's doubling names or tripling names. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover here. That's uh, that's for sure. I had a chance to talk with Carnival Cruise Lines Chief Operating Officer Gus Antorsha earlier today about the refurb, and this is what he had to say. It's a pretty extensive makeover, similar to Carnival Triumph. We will be redoing a lot of the deck, adding a lot of upgraded features to the deck, as well as upgrading the inside. All the cabins will be upgraded. Those actually get upgraded before the dry dock, but we'll see uh, entirely new spaces on board. Alchemy will be added. So pretty extensive both on the deck area as well as the inside of the ship. Gus, I know that the itinerary for Carnival Radiance won't debut until next month, but can you give us any hints at all? So I'll give you two things to look forward to. One is she will be sailing in warm weather. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, and then when you hear the release, I think we're going to have some other surprises in store for uh for your listeners to tune in, I, I think uh, I think they'll be surprised. We're holding a couple things back from 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 the release. Yeah, thank you, Gus. Now it's interesting, Sherry, because we won't know where the ship is going to go until November fifteenth of twenty eighteen. And as we just heard, Gus isn't going to tell us. Do you have any ideas? Well, I'll always put my vote in for Port Canaveral, but that's only a month away, so we should know pretty soon. Uh, yeah, and Port Canaveral's got that LNG ship, too, in 2020, so uh, they might put her... I- I'm thinking they're, they might be going Gulf Coast on this, like Galveston, maybe. That would be neat, or or New Orleans, or maybe someday back to Mobile. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll see on November 15th. On the subject of Carnival, they have increased faster to the fun prices in Port Miami on one cruise ship. Yeah, they have. It's the Carnival Horizon on the six- and eight-night cruises, and it's going up by $20 per person 
for each sailing, and it will now cost, for example, on an eight night, it's going to be $119.95. So I guess if you really want to be able to get on the ship earlier and get to your stateroom sooner, maybe have your luggage arrive earlier, you know, that's something to consider for $120 for the eight night. Now, this got a lot of flack with this $20 per sailing increase, but my take at it, I think it's supply and demand, right? I mean, if people are going to buy it, why not crank their price up? Kind of like buying a beer at an NFL game. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. As we both know, it's capacity controlled. So, for example, if you have a lot of upper level, upper tier loyalty guests on board, they're going to offer fewer uh, faster to the fun passes. So, yeah, it puts a little bit of a demand on it. So you're absolutely right. Supply and demand, baby. You keep buying, they'll keep cranking it up, kind of like Royal Caribbean increasing the price of drink packages in 2019. Oh, they are. And following in the footsteps of Carnival and Norwegian's announcement, Royal Caribbean is raising the price for their beverage packages. They, they only have three, but uh, the first one is the deluxe package, and that, of course, would have everything that you'd want. That's going to go up somewhere, and it ranges. This has a fluctuating price because it depends on the ship and the season that you're cruising, but it will range somewhere from 63 to $70 per person. Then the middle one is called a refreshment package. It's non-alcoholic, and that will cost $29 per person per day. These are all per person per days, and this will be on all the ships anytime, so there's no fluctuation in pricing. And last but not least is the little soda package, which will be $12.99 per person per day, and again will be the same across all of the ships. So, you know, if it's a good idea if you're going to really use all that. Um, purchase it in advance because you could save up to 30% depending on the sailing date. Yeah, a lot of people we've interviewed on the show like just rave about that. Like always buy the drink package and the dining package in advance because you're going to be saving like 30%. And it looks like this – just some quick math here. This hike is like 11% increase on the deluxe beverage package. So Yeah, it went up about $7 yeah. range per um, sailing. So, yeah. All right, so buy your drink package in advance. Well, our next story here is one of those only in Florida stories. A cruiser lied on board, and it could land him behind bars. What happened here? Yeah, this was uh, last July, and a man named Gopal Parmanan, who lives in Palm Beach Gardens, was aboard Grand Paradise's Grand Celebration ship, and he just wanted to cut to the front of the shore excursions line. Well, rather than waiting, he flashed a badge, and he claimed to be a federal immigration and customs enforcement agent, otherwise known as ICE, and he demanded he absolutely had to know how he could access the Internet because he wanted to check work-related emails. And then apparently when he got to the, uh, into the Bahamas, he tried to convince their border authorities that he was a federal agent. You know, And I guess this didn't sit well with some people. Because when the ship returned to Palm Beach, real ICE officers and Customs and Border Patrol agents, they started an investigation, uh, demanded to see his luggage, and, you know, they opened his suitcase and they found what looked like uh, a badge holder, a pretty official-looking badge holder, but no badge, so they really couldn't do anything. But his wife fessed up, and in another suitcase they found a badge almost identical to that of a real ICE special agent's badge. So bottom line, if he's found guilty at his trial in December, Parmenon could face up to three years in prison. Two John Bon Jovi cruises are coming in 2019. What cruise line and what ships is he going to be rocking on? 
sure, and if I can say this without stumbling over the name, <laughs> Norwegian Cruise Line has not one, but like you said, two John Bon Jovi cruises that are planned. And there's a four-night cruise aboard Norwegian Jade on April 12th of next year, and then aboard the Norwegian Pearl departing from Barcelona on August 26th. And if you're thinking of going, prices will begin at 18.95 per person out of Miami and $2,221 from Barcelona. And this is per person based on double occupancy and does not include the usual gratuities, port charges, and fees. I, so I priced this one, and I priced an interior room for eighteen ninety five out of Miami, and you're looking at about $2,500 per person after tax, tag, and title. Wow. So it's going to, wow. um, yeah. But if you want to cruise with Bon Jovi, uh, there you go, $2,500. Listener question here from Dave. If you have a listener question, drop me an email, Doug, at cruiseradio.net. Dave asks, I've got my first cruise coming in December of 2018 aboard Carnival Magic. I was wondering if there's a smoking section on the ship. Well, Dave, yes, there is. And this applies for cigarettes, e-cigarettes, and personal vaporizers. The Carnival Magic smoking areas will include the Hat Trick Casino and the Hat Trick Casino Bar in designated areas only, which in the casino is uh, designated slot machine areas and the table games. Um, also, the Vibe Nightclub smoking is permitted, but luckily not on the dance floor. Um, if you want to go outdoors to smoke, it's permitted in designated areas on Deck 5, port side, aft, and outside of the nightclub, but on deck 11, it's starboard side, midship, and aft. And if that sounds confusing, I got that straight from Carnival's website. Um, There is a caveat. If you smoke cigars or pipes, tobacco pipes as they state, they're only permitted in the above designated outdoor smoking areas on decks 5 and 11, but not in the casino or the nightclubs. And if you smoke medical marijuana, don't get caught bringing it on. Exactly. (laughs) Sherry, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Doug. See you then. We'd love to hear your comments. Email comments at cruiseradio.net. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting CruisingExcursions.com. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. Richard recently sailed on a 10-night Caribbean cruise out of New York City on Norwegian Gym, and he joins us on the line. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. Thanks for having me. So I have to ask you, normally you do only seven-night cruises. Why did you pick 10 this time? You know, I had friends who had booked this cruise. I had cruised with them before a few years ago. In fact, I met them on the Gem on a seven-night cruise. And it just it, – it was a different itinerary for me. When you sail out of New York, you don't really get a lot of options. You generally either do the Florida-Bahamas run or the Canada run. So when this one came up and I got a good price on it, I said, you know, let's try something a little different. You live in the New York City, New Jersey area, so you made your way right to the pier. How was embarkation for you? 
Incredibly easy. It was a little bit different than normal for me. Um, I have sailed on the gem before, but I usually do the breakaway. And when I'm sailing on the breakaway, I'm like in a mad dash to get on that ship as soon as possible because I need to get my my pass to the Vibe Beach Club. The gem doesn't have that. So this was much more laid back. I stayed home and I like had breakfast with my household and, you know, kind of like really eased into it. The, the cool thing was when I got to the pier, um, I went, you know, up to the, I was a casino guest. So I went to the casino desk and I started signing in and the woman looked at me and said, oh, you're going to need to come with me. And I thought, oh my God, I've been here two minutes. What have I done? I'm already mm-hmm. in trouble. So I immediately thought I've been here two minutes. Did I do something wrong? And uh, she said, yes, we're going to have to take you to where the naughty children are go. And she actually took me to the VIP lounge. Apparently, because I was organizing the meet and greet on board, I was given VIP status. So that meant I got to be like, you know, one of the first people on board, despite arriving late. Um, They had a nice little room set up with snacks and coffee. And then that also meant I got the same treatment that Haven guests get, which means during the entire week that I was on board, they have, for the Haven guests, they offer breakfast at Moderno and lunch at Cagney's. And this is only for the, you know, the VIPs and the and the Haven guests uh, because uh, unlike a lot of the Norwegian ships, this ship does not have a separate Haven restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, like Breakaway and stuff has a separate restaurant for the Haven guests. This one doesn't. But they do set aside only the Haven guests can go to Moderno in the morning for breakfast and Cagney's in the afternoon for lunch. And I got that privilege. So that was kind of cool. So you said you, you got to the uh, – well, first off, how long did it take you from curb to ship to get on? Oh, like 12 minutes maybe. Okay. And you went to the casino desk. Is that because you got a special rate on this? I did. Um, when I originally booked it, um, I was paying somewhere around 3200 I think, for it. Someone suggested that I had been doing you know, enough gambling lately that I, should, that I should call and try and get a casino rate. The nice thing about booking through the casino – now, I have heard rumor that they might stop this and it wouldn't surprise me. But right now, if you book Norwegian through the casino – and you are a solo traveler, which I am, I do not have to pay the single supplement. So right away, my immediately my cost goes from thirty two hundred to sixteen hundred, plus the amazing woman that I deal with at Casino at Seas also got me an additional twenty percent off that, plus a bunch of perks. You know, she got me like two hundred and fifty internet minutes and this, that, and the other thing. So, you know, it really wound up being a great deal. And in fact, as soon as I got off this ship, I called because I, I had heard that, you know, this might stop and this is a really good perk for me. So I called to book the escape in September and was able to do the same thing where where again I'm not paying the double supplement. So it really cuts down on my cost. That's awesome. So you make your way on board and what was the first thing you did? First thing I did was went with my friends to Cagney's for lunch, which was amazing. They had this um, great prime rib uh, 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 French French dip, and it was just a really nice, relaxed way because we didn't have to go deal with you know, the madness of the buffet or even one of the main dining rooms, which is always open on embarkation day. We actually got to go right to the steakhouse and get you know the top flight service that you get there. So it was a Pretty nice way to start the trip. So basically, you were drinking tea with the queen that day. <laughs> yeah, except my tea was a Long Island iced variety. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what kind of stateroom did you book, and what did you think of it? Uh, I had a regular balcony. I like to do aft-facing balconies, but on this one, they were—it just wasn't possible. So I just had a regular balcony. It was forward. Oh, you know, 
I'm wrong, actually. I had a cove balcony. It was a regular balcony, but a cove. And for those who don't know what a cove is, it's sort of like it's um, carved out of the hull. So it almost looks when you're sitting on the balcony as if you have a picture frame around your view. It's still open. You know, it's not like it's enclosed, um, although I think they consider it partially uh, either partially enclosed or partially obstructed. The cool thing about it was that sailing out of New York in this time of year can be very, very, very cold and very, very windy. The Even though it sounded windy because of the way the cutout is in the cove balcony, there was no wind on the balcony. So pretty much the whole time, I was able to go out there anytime. It would be raining and I could go out there and there was no problem. There'd be The wind would be whipping in, no problem on my cove balcony. So if you ever have a chance, I know a lot of people are nervous about them. It was It was pretty cool. Yeah, the Cove Balconies are also, if uh, listeners are familiar with the Carnival ships, uh, the Dream Class and Vista Class also have Cove Balconies. It's the very first set of balconies, like on Deck 3, I think, or Deck 2 on those ships. Uh, As far as space goes in there, how was that? Well, I travel by myself, so it's pretty, you know, any cabin is probably going to be pretty spacious. Uh, You know, they didn't have quite as much storage space as you might have on, like, I I feel like the breakaway has more storage space, but it might just be the slightly different type of cabin that I stay in. The bathroom's great, you know, it's got the sliding glass door as opposed to those, those annoying plastic things that wrap around you. Uh, you know, it's got all the basic amenities. There was, you know, the safe and the, the, the little bar with ice and things on it. I can't complain. It, it, it was fine. You know, and it's the beds are high enough that you can shove your suitcase under there, which is really, really useful when you're trying to, you know, get as much use out of the limited space as possible. Since it wasn't like a kind of an enclosed cove balcony, was the like the square footage the same as normal balconies, you think? It's about the same as the other balconies on the gem. It's a little bit bigger than the balconies on the breakaway. It's not nearly as big as the aft-facing balconies that I sometimes get. So it was it was certainly average. There were two chairs, you know, the typical two chairs and one little uh, coffee table out there. You could not have fit a lounger out there yeah. really, but uh, but it was it was a nice size balcony. Norwegians known for freestyle dining, eat where you want, when you want. No real um, set dining times like most cruise lines have. Let's talk about the food. We'll start at the top at the buffet and work our way down from there. Well, I will say I must have eaten pretty good because I actually put on 10 pounds. Oh, wow. So far, I've lost five of them since I got home. Uh, so I think a lot of that was probably drinking and um, salt. You know, you eat a lot of salty food on mm-hmm. cruise ships. And uh, I have lost five of them since I got back, thank goodness. But <laughs> – the freestyle thing really, really, really works great for me. I don't know if it's just because I'm a solo and if I would have more difficulty if I was you know, looking for a table with four or five people. But for one or two, it works out great because you can walk up to almost any restaurant, not have a reservation, and within a couple of minutes, get a table. Um, I even, even, you know, like the last night Cagney's is a very hard get, um, because a lot of people like to go to the steakhouse or the bistro the last night. And I had no problem in any of the restaurants at any point, just walking up and getting a table. Huh? Now when you're going to one of the specialty restaurants though, and you're by yourself, are they seating you with other people or are they seating you by yourself? 
No, seated by yourself. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I happened to a lot of the nights that I was on the trip. I had dinner with two of my friends, mm-hmm. um, and so what they would do is they would make a re- if they were making reservations, they would make they would always make their reservation for four, so that if I wanted to join or if they met other people who wanted to join, they would be able to you know they would they would have a space set aside for them. But when I went by myself, no, I just would wind up you know being able to eat by myself, and you know, and I ate. I, I hit a lot of places on this particular trip because it was 10 days. I had dinner a couple times in the buffet, and I really like Norwegian's buffet. I think they do a nice job. I was surprised at how big. They have a very large vegetarian selection. I have a friend who doesn't want to cruise, and I know one of the reasons they think about it is, oh, what am I going to eat? And I was surprised. They not only had a big vegetarian section, but it's a vegetarian section that changes. It's not like the same three vegetarian dishes every day. Uh, they usually in the buffet have a theme, so it'll be like, you know, Mediterranean night or something like that. Uh, they have a nice salad selection. It really, it's a, it's a really nice size buffet. I also ate at Oceans, their 24 hour place, because I cannot get on that ship that has an Oceans and not have some of the wings. They're the most amazing wings I've ever had. It's also great for late night after the casino. You know, I, one night I gambled until four in the morning. And there was, and I was starving because I literally gambled through lunch and dinner. I didn't get up from the machine except to go to the bathroom. So I was really happy when at four a.m. I could I could go to Oceans and get some food. That was that was a blessing. What machine were you playing that you were there till four a.m.? They oh my gosh, there's this machine. I tried to play it on the breakaway and I could never get near it on the uh, gem. It only seemed to get popular as our week went on. It got harder and harder to get on it, but it's called um, the Lock and Links Diamonds, and it is just it is just one of the funnest machines I've ever played. One night, I sat down uh, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I blame the bartender. His name is Samuel at the Great Outdoors, and I blame him. He got me day drunk, and I went down to the casino. I sat at that machine at 4 o'clock in the, in the afternoon, and I played until 1 in the morning, never getting up from that machine. Just I went up and down and up and down, and it's just it's got a bonus round that's insane. Guys, it's serious. You have to play it. It's the best, best game ever. Okay, interesting. And so um, the buffet was good. Oh, Sheehan's was good. Cagney's, how was the uh, the meal there when you went? Cagney's is amazing. Um, Cagney's has an appetizer. Um, it's a pork belly appetizer. It's three pieces of pork belly with a balsamic reduction on it. That is one of the best things I've ever eaten at sea. Uh, I am not lying when I say, because I've had it many times on different ships. I'm not lying when I say two nights before we went on this trip, I literally had a dream about the pork belly. I was that excited about it. And I had it like three different nights during the trip. It's a classic steakhouse and they do it really well. So one night I had a porterhouse, one night I had an amazing prime rib, uh, another night I had the ribeye. They have a baked potato soup that's an amazing appetizer, and they're very well known for their fries. They have these um, Cagney fries that have truffle oil on them and uh, some kind of special salt, and they're quite tasty. So Cagney's Cagney's is a winner every single time. If I had to, if I could only eat in one uh, specialty restaurant during the entire trip, it would definitely be Cagney's. Would you put Cagney's at the top of all the steakhouses you've been to at sea? Mm-hmm. I think I would. I just not only the food, but the service, the look of it, especially since they just redid the uh, they, they that was one of the things that got done during the last dry dock was Cagney's got a new look and it's just a really classy, smooth look. So 
I think of the steakhouses I've done, yeah, I, I would put it at the top. I would not put it at the top of my restaurants. Top of my restaurants at sea would still be Wonderland on um, Anthem of the Seas. But mm. as far as steakhouses go, yeah, Cagney's is the best. How does Norwegian's main dining room type area, or what is it called actually? Two main dining rooms. Okay. One is called Magenta and one is called the Grand Pacific. And did you eat there at all? I'm trying to think. I don't think I did. I don't think I ever set foot in a main dining room. I ate mostly in the specialty restaurants and one or two nights in the buffet, but I never actually hit the uh, main dining room. All right. Fair enough. Well, uh, we'll talk about entertainment then. How was your entertainment for this 10-night cruise? The highlight of this cruise was there was a woman on board named Tea Cake Ferguson, and Tea Cake is her actual name. It's her her middle name. She's a Tony winner who has performed in a lot of shows on Broadway, and she did a one-night-only show. She did it twice. It was a tribute to Aretha Franklin and uh, Whitney Houston, her two favorite divas, and everyone who saw it was just blown away. It was about a 40-minute show. And she's not just an amazing singer, but she's an amazing performer. She's one of those performers who you can't take your eye off of her because she's so entertaining. That's really the only show that I saw. I wandered around and heard a lot of the musicians on board, you know, the, 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 the piano player in the atrium or the guitar player in one of the other bars, things like that. But I didn't go to see some of the other shows. I heard great reviews of several of them, including they had two aerialists who apparently people were just, you know, aghast over how amazing they were and what they could do on that above that stage. But I tended to spend most evenings in the casino or a bar. Now, you were talking about whenever we talked to you about Breakaway you did last, you were mentioning that you had to get reservations for some shows. Uh, was it like that on Gem? No, not at all. Not okay. at all. Especially if you were going to the sh- to the nine o'clock show. Every show they did that was at seven and at nine. And the seven o'clock show tended to get a little more crowded than the the later show. But there was never any problem. Just um, even with T Cake Ferguson, we walked in pretty late, right before the show was going to start, and we easily got three seats, three really good seats. So um, it's also it's a nice theater. It's not really one of those theaters that has a lot of sightline issues. Mm-hmm. It's a Big, the Stardust Theater is big and beautiful, and it feels like an an old school theater. Uh, so there doesn't there there really didn't seem to be any problem seeing the shows. Does the demographic? Did you think that it skewed a little older being a longer cruise and your normal normal like seven night breakaway? Yeah, I do feel like it was a little bit older. Um, sadly, I now you know classify myself in that little older. I'm I'm 54 now, so so I sort of consider myself in that slightly older category. <laughs> but it did seem that there were. Um, I didn't see a lot of young people. I didn't notice a lot of kids, uh, you know, because they would have been in school. So, and that was nice. It was. It, it's also a ship that probably skews a little bit older because it doesn't have the bells and whistles. You know, it doesn't. It has a rock climbing wall, and that's about it. It doesn't have, you know, massive water slides and and you know the bells and whistles that we now think of as the mega ships like Breakaway having. You know, I mean, here comes the uh, you know Bliss with a racetrack on top. That's not something that you're going to get on gems so i think a lot of the younger generations um would probably be more drawn to those ships i, I want to talk about the sea days but i'm curious like when you're heading out of new york in the winter time what's that dividing line where it's actually cold to tolerable to go outside and hang out by the pool it can depend um this trip we got pretty lucky 
especially coming back. Going out the first full day, we went out on Saturday. Saturday was was cold. Sunday was, there were people out at like the hot tubs and stuff, but it really probably wasn't until Monday that we really hit the nice weather. On Monday, you know, the chair hogs were out in full force. The sun was shining. They had the barbecue by the pool. Everybody was out. Um, so Monday, coming back, we got incredibly lucky because even our final sea day, so our final sea day would have been, we got to port on Tuesday. Our final sea day would have been Monday. We had beautiful weather on Monday. It did eventually, as around like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it turned and started getting very cold. And we went through a weird storm that came out of nowhere and lasted about half an hour. But we had really, really decent weather for, the, for both going out and coming in. How did the ship handle as far as crowds and congestion on those sea days? Pretty well. Um, the pool area can get very crowded. Um, it's, you know, and you see the chair hogs. I went out one morning. Um, I actually was gambling on the next to last morning until 630 in the morning. And at 630 in the morning, I went out on the pool deck and there were the, there were already people had their towels on the chairs near the pool with, you know, the little clips clipped to them. I went back two hours later and still no people in those chairs, but those those <laughs> clips were there and those towels were there. But overall, the ship seemed to handle it pretty well. Um, the last night as we were, you know, on the last sea day when the weather started turning, the the areas where they had bands and things got a little bit crowded because everybody was sort of forced indoors by the weather. But this isn't one of the ships that has, for example, the breakaway has the waterfront area that's a very big attraction and helps spread people out mm -hmm. outside. This is not one of those ships. It really, other than the pool deck, doesn't have a lot of stuff that draws people to the outside. So you don't notice a huge difference in the uh, public areas between the day and the night. Okay. Or between the cold weather and the warm weather, I should say. With the ports you hit, you hit quite a few of them. So what I'll ask you to do is just hit the port or tell, tell us the port you went to and the highlight for you and then go to the next one. We had four sea days and then we had four port days and two more sea days. So the first port day was Antigua. And other than St. John, I'd never been – I mean St. Thomas. I'd never been to any of these places. So Antigua, we did a little bit of research and found this amazing place called Beach Limers. It's right on the beach. Um, it's a restaurant that has its own private area out in front where we had beach chairs and umbrellas, and it's in a cove, so we had the whole beach to ourselves. It was just, you know, everything you could possibly want from a beach day. There were no crowds, anything. So that was amazing. The second day was St. Lucia, and in St. Lucia, I actually went ziplining. Uh, you may have heard um, there was a scream that pierced the sound centers of the universe. That was me going down my first ever zipline, uh, and I thought I was going to die, and I didn't. It was amazing. That was kind of a cool experience because it also, as part of it, they had a tram that takes you up and above through the rainforest. That's how you get up to the zip lines. There was no so, weight limit on that? No. Uh, well, well, what was the weight limit on that? <laughs> Luckily, I was well beneath it. <laughs> it I, think, I think the weight limit was like 300, 300 pounds on that, something like that. So you barely made it. Uh, yeah, right. Just barely. If, I, if I'd gone to the steakhouse one more time, I'd have been in trouble. <laughs> Then we went to St. Kitts, where, again, I had done a little research and found a really cool um, – it's called the Palm Garden Resort, I believe. And it's basically a place – it's a resort that has beautiful gardens, and then they have a nice pool and a hot tub. And for 12 bucks, you can rent a really comfortable beach chair with a 
uh, umbrella, sit by the pool all day. They have a bar. They have a nice restaurant there. So that was great. The only bad time was St. Thomas, our last stop. At St. Thomas, I did something I've never done on a cruise and I had hoped never to do, and that was I had to go to the medical center. Uh-oh. I, I thought that I had pink eye, and I was sure they were going to tell me, okay, you've got pink eye, you're contagious, stay in your room for the next two days. Turned out I just had an eye infection. Unfortunately, by the time I found that out, um, I had uh, missed – I was supposed to go on a, a catamaran to a snorkeling site, and I ended up missing that because I was dealing with the medical thing. The other thing I'll say is in dealing with the medical thing, A, they were really incredibly friendly and professional and it was and it was a really good experience, but it's further proof that people get trip insurance because the visit alone cost $160 and then the tube of medicine they gave me for my eye, this little tiny little tube, cost $400. Oh my gosh. So yeah, six over $600 for what was basically a 15-minute visit to the medical center. So get medical or get the travel insurance because it'll cover that. So let me ask you this. How, how did that work? Like it was like 600 bucks, say. Did you have to pay that before you got off the ship? Yes, that okay. was on my room charge. That was part of my room charge. And then you uh, file a, a claim. Uh, I got okay. a bill and then they, they, I mean, they handled it great. They, they gave me a letter to take to the shore excursion desk so that, um, because I had missed my shore excursion, which was $150. And because I had the note from the medical center, they took it right off my bill. So I didn't have to pay for that. They made sure that the next day I got delivered to my room all of the paperwork I would need for, you know, to process this through the insurance. Because basically what you have to do in situations like this is go to your primary insurer first. They're not going to cover this because I was out of the country and, you know, I didn't have a primary doctor or whatever. So they're not going to cover this. Once I get the letter from my primary insurance telling me that they've denied coverage, then I go to my travel insurance and they will cover it. So, gotcha. I mean, they and they knew all that. They like had every bit of the paperwork I would need sent to my room in a nice little envelope explaining everything. It, it as much as no one ever wants to deal with something like that on a cruise, it couldn't have been easier. That sucks. You missed your excursion. Did you wind up doing anything there? I did. We weren't in port all that long. It was a really short visit. We got there at seven a.m. and had to be out by one at one p.m. I weirdly thought that this would probably be because there was a lot of ships in port and, you know, this was a changed itinerary from our original, so maybe they needed, you know, the spot for somebody else. But we were actually the only ship in port, so I'm not really sure why we were only there that very short time. But since I had missed my excursion, I wandered around St. Thomas, and this was the only time that I really noticed anything lingering from the hurricanes that hit all the islands earlier. Um, because one of the most popular things in St. Thomas is, of course, the sky ride up to Paradise Point where they serve bushwhackers, like, you know, the most famous drink on the islands. And I've done that before and I really wanted to do it again. But the sky ride is closed and there's no real indication of when it will open because they don't – they haven't even gotten to the point where they can do the inspections and figure out what damage there is. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a result, I just sort of – I wandered around um, Haversite a little bit. Then I wandered over to Charlotte Amalie and did a little, you know, just like like window shopping and looking at all the pretty jewels that no one can afford mm-hmm. over there and then got back on the ship. Okay. So you make your way back to Manhattan, and you were the ship arrives a little bit late because normally ships come in like what five thirty, six o'clock, but the gym didn't dock until like ten o'clock in the morning. We were told it would be ten o'clock. We actually docked a little bit closer to it was probably around eight thirty, quarter to nine when we docked, but we were told it was going to be ten o'clock, uh, and. 
you know, we, we docked at 830. I had priority disembarkation because I'm platinum with um, Norwegian, and they had us meet in the theater, those of us who had priority, and it couldn't have been simpler. This is interesting, and I don't – you probably know more about this than I do. In the past, whenever I've come back into New York from, you know, Florida, the Bahamas, all that, I've always had to fill out a customs form. And I didn't – nobody had to fill out a customs form on this one. I don't know if it's because of the islands we visited or what, but we didn't – it made it very easy. We just got off the ship, you know, answered a couple questions at customs. I It probably took me – from the time they started the embarkation until the time I was on the street trying to get my Uber to, app to work, it was probably – you know, maybe 15 minutes. Yeah, I don't, I know um, at a Port Canaveral in Miami and Lauderdale, you don't need the blue forms anymore. And it makes me wonder, now I know that everything is linked to you, like all the duty-free stuff is linked to your sign and sale card. And do the cruise lines provide customs with a printout maybe that you're spending more than 800? I don't know. Maybe they're doing it to make, um, to expedite disembarkation. I don't really, I'll have to try to find out the answer to that. I'm not really sure, but I know on my cruise, um, at a Port Canaveral a few weeks ago and at a Miami back in December, it, the same way. We just walked, we showed the customs agent our passport and you're good to go. Yeah, and I thought it was weird because we're going to a lot of places. You know, St. Thomas mm-hmm. is is someplace where people spend a lot of money on jewelry and things like that that you would think would have to be declared being brought back. So I don't know. That's a that's a good topic for a future show. Yeah, totally. Now, um, from ship to curb, how long do you think that took? 15 minutes. Tops. Maybe. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was very quick, very easy. Nice. Um, well, any first time tips to offer? Actually, before we even get to the tips, uh, we didn't even talk about how iconic this New York City sail away is. It really is. Um, I wish it's one of those things that makes me wish I was a better photographer because <laughs> you know I take um I, I've been on this sail away for, on the breakaway on the gem on on other ships, and I take a million pictures and they're all crappy. I'm just <laughs> a crappy photographer, but it's just it's almost indescribable. You, you know just. Going out on your balcony or going out on the deck and seeing the New York skyline coming toward you and just – it's – you know, it just – it does – it gives me chills every single time. It really does. Yeah. So so awesome and so memorable. And like you said, if you were a good photographer, it would be awesome to see your pictures of it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but I'm not. So don't ask to see them. (laughs) Any any first-time tips for sailing, Jim? You know, I will say that the gem is probably one of the easiest ships to sail. There's, you know, for one thing, because it's Norwegian, you don't have to deal with reservations and stuff if you don't want to as far as the restaurants. It's not, you know, a big fancy ship where you got to make a lot of plans. You want to make sure you do this, that, and the other thing. It's It's got a great pace to it. The whole ship has a really nice pace to it. And because it's a smaller ship, it has a more intimate feel. Like by day two or three, you've met you know several bartenders and things who are going to remember exactly who you are. Uh, the, the probably the best spot on the whole ship is on deck twelve, I believe twelve aft. There's a bar called the Great Outdoors Bar. It's it's got some covered space if you want to stay out of the sun. It's got the most friendly bartenders on the ship, and it's just a great place to sit and stare out at the ocean and talk to the stranger who winds up on the seat next to you. It, it sounds like a good tip would also be if you do any kind of casino play to to call the casino line or whatever it's called, casino at sea, and just. Just ask if you can if there's anything available for you. 
Definitely. Um, you know, always use your casino card. Always make sure you have it put in. And it, it does not harm. You know, it, it's like it's like your mom always said, there's no harm in asking. Even if I wasn't getting the, the great, you know, rate that I am with because of the solo thing, there's a good chance I would still probably get the 20% off. And 20% is 20%. That's yeah. a nice hunk of change to get taken off your your bill. I'll also say I talked to a casino host this time, which I've never done. I've never really needed to. But I was talking to a casino host on the last day to find out you know, when the points cut off and all that. And one thing I did not know was they automatically, um, on Norwegian ships anyway, they look at your point play on the night before you get off the ship. And they look and see, are there things they can take off your bill? For example, I had spent um, – I- I had bought a little model of the ship for, you know, twenty dollars or something in the in the uh, in the gift shop. They took that off and replaced it with, you know, they they put it as if it was a credit based on my gambling in the casino. It wasn't a lot, but it, you know, it's twenty dollars. It makes a difference. So you know, know the rules of the casino, know what you're doing, and never hesitate um, after you've been on a cruise and done some gambling to give them a call and see. Maybe you can get a good deal. Did you get any kind of like? Um tips from him or any kind of intel on what's that threshold though basically the way on norwegian anything above 2500 points and your points carry over from cruise to cruise but within a year so for example i spent my points by the end of this cruise because i knew that on march 31st that's when the new year starts so my points are val are are completely useless after March thirty first. Their their year starts over again. Mm. So like if I go on a cruise, if I'm on a cruise March twenty sixth through April seventh, on March at midnight on March thirty first, my points are gone, and the next morning I'm starting with new points. So I had like four or five thousand points that I knew I could cash out, play on the machine, and and I wouldn't lose anything because I'm not going to be on a cruise before you know before the the cutoff point. Ah, this show is brought to you by the National Council on Problem Gambling. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and, he, and let me tell you, if you sit at a machine, even the Lock and Link Hearts machine, for more than nine hours in a row, you might have a problem. <laughs> yeah, final thoughts on Norwegian Jim. Amazing ship. It, it was actually the very first ship I ever did. I did a one-night cruise to nowhere on it to see if I would actually like cruising. Um, I do love the bigger ships, but every now and then it's nice to sort of, you know, get back in touch with what cruising really is without all the bells and whistles and just really enjoy a more intimate ship. Talking with Richard Sims about his 10-night sailing on Norwegian. Jim, dude, thanks for being here. Dude, thanks for having me. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. 
Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.